the Ulster Economics Podcast. The podcast that keeps you up to date with what is happening economy-wise in Northern Ireland. Telling you what you need to know, but not necessarily what you want to hear. It is better to be prepared for the economic environment we're operating in and not the world we would like to be in. Episode 16, Vlad the Invaders Price Premium. Over the last week or so, the UK has been battered by Dudley, Eunice and Franklin. We await to hear the G and the H names of the subsequent storms that follow. We're already aware of the advancing T storm or tax storm. April will see us shard with more tax increases, most notably the hike in national insurance contributions. Other stealth taxes announced last year are set to be much more painful due to inflation being much higher than expected. These include the four-year freeze on the various income tax thresholds and the five-year freeze on the pension lifetime allowance. But households and businesses are most concerned about the eye storm that has been battering their finances with increasing force. The forecast is that the eye storm will get worse and will be with us for the rest of the year and beyond. I am, of course, referring to inflation. Previous podcasts such as episode 7 and episode 13 have focused on inflation, with the latter back in November focusing on the emerging cost of living crisis. We have returned to this topic as the cost of living crisis has worsened considerably since November and the outbreak of war in the Ukraine has effectively thrown fuel on the cost of living and cost of doing business fires that were already raging. Vlad the Invader has effectively added a Putin premium on top of that. But if we rewind back to the latest inflation news, UK consumer price inflation edged up from 5.4% year-on-year in December to 5.5% in January. That's the highest rate since March 1992. The headline rate conceals the two-speed inflation rate between consumer goods and services. Consumer goods prices increased by 7.2% year-on-year and more than double the 3.2% annual rise for consumer services. Goods inflation is currently rising at its highest rate since October 1990. The sources of inflation within consumer goods are broad-based. For example, pasta products jumped by 14.9% year-on-year, household furniture rose by a similar amount, and second-hand cars almost 29% higher last month relative to a year ago. Food price inflation has become more noticeable too, with prices rising by 4.5% year-on-year. The last time food prices were rising faster than this was over eight years ago. The chairman of Tesco recently warned that food prices were expected to increase by a further 5% in the coming months. A significant hike, but this was before the Putin premium, so we're now looking at even more than that. If you worry about rising prices, you're not alone. Earlier this month, the Bank of England raised its bank rate to 0.5%, the first time since 2004 that rates were hiked on two consecutive meetings. And four members of the Monetary Policy Committee voted for a 0.5% hike, showing how concerned they were about inflation. We can expect the Bank of England to deliver a three in a row with another rate hike penciled in on St. Patrick's Day. According to the Bank of England's latest forecast earlier this month, inflation is set to reach 7.25% in April. And with wage growth failing to keep up with price rises, UK households are facing the worst squeeze in real disposable income in 30 years. 
with soaring energy prices the main culprit. Indeed, petrol and diesel prices hit record highs before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now the invasion has unleashed a new wave of uncertainty. The Ukraine may be thousands of miles away, but the impact will be felt by businesses and households at home. Global stock markets are experiencing significant volatility, but the main impact will be on rising energy costs. We briefly saw the price of Brent crude oil hit $105 per barrel. This was a seven-year high and compares with $67 a barrel a year ago. Europe's wholesale gas price also surged by 69% at one point during day one of the invasion. The same day, Firmus had already increased its prices by one-third. Further rises are therefore in the post. We can expect further significant increases in food. Remember, the Ukraine is known as being the breadbasket for Europe and energy prices on top of what the Bank of England and other forecasters were already expecting. Wheat prices jumped to a decade high, which will hit the price of household favourites such as Weetabix. Remember, other wheat-based cereal products are available. We've already seen supply chains disrupted by the pandemic and Brexit. Now, exporting wheat outside of the Ukraine will be increasingly difficult. All of this could see UK consumer price inflation of between 8 to 9% year-on-year in the coming months. Beleaguered household budgets will be stretched even further, with additional increases in food and fuel prices. More spending on food and utility bills means less for discretionary spending, such as retail, hospitality and leisure. Those businesses reliant on consumer spending will be hardest hit. Some local manufacturing firms exporting to Russia and its commodity sector will be unable to trade due to the new sanctions. According to HMRC data, there were £55 million worth of export sales from Northern Ireland to Russia in 2020. There has been plenty of talk in recent times of storms, real and metaphorical. The pandemic was a massive economic storm that is starting to pass. But during it, we were fixated on what shape the recovery from it would be. A U, a V or a W. Today we have a major new storm unfolding and it is the U for Ukraine and the W for war that are exercising minds. Far from the storm-free economic outlook that we had hoped for, suddenly the forecast is clouded by fog and overshadowed by uncertainty. A week is a long time in geopolitics. Who knows what the weeks ahead hold in store. So turning to the latest economic survey and statistical news. The Office for National Statistics model-based early estimates for regional GVA growth, which is just economic growth, revealed that the Northern Ireland economy expanded by 0.8% quarter-on-quarter in the final quarter of last year. That was the third successive quarter of growth, but the pace of expansion was below that of the UK, which expanded at 1% and it was below that of most other regions. Interestingly, the latest estimates highlight that the Northern Ireland economy has not returned to pre-pandemic levels of output, with output 1.1% below Q4 2019 levels. This contradicts NISRA's Composite Economic Index, which last, conf- which last month confirmed that economic output had returned to pre-pandemic levels in the second quarter of last year, with further growth in Q3. A key difference in the Composite Index is it includes public sector employment as a proxy indicator of output growth for the public sector. So the continued rise in public sector staffing levels flatter the picture of 
for economic growth, which is not reflected in the regional GVA growth story. The year-on-year rate of growth for GVA was estimated at 3.4% year-on-year, which was the slowest rate of growth of the 12 UK regions. Now, that represents the first year that the Northern Ireland Protocol came into force. So all of the UK regions that, that don't have the Northern Ireland Protocol outpaced Northern Ireland in terms of real terms, GVA or economic growth. The ONS's later, latest estimates also reveal that after Wales, Northern Ireland has experienced the weakest right rebound in economic growth since the pandemic-induced trough of the second quarter of 2020. Again, this contradicts stories that Northern Ireland has outperformed other UK regions and clearly there is conflicting statistical evidence uh, which in the fullness of time will no doubt be ironed out. If we turn to the latest PMI, Northern Ireland's private sector has shaken off the Omicron-induced slowdown which was seen in uh, December and started 2022 on a positive note. January saw growth in business activity accelerate to a seven-month high, while new orders rose for the first time in five months. Employment also increased uh, for the 11th month running, but local firms are finding it increasingly difficult to get the staff they want. Therefore, it's not surprising that the pace of hiring did slow in January to its weakest rate since March. Indeed, local retailers and construction sector firms actually reduced their headcount. Meanwhile, inflationary pressures have moderated from their record highs, but they still remain a significant challenge, with mounting wage and energy costs leading to ongoing increases in input costs. Companies are also continuing to pass these on by increasing the prices of the goods and services that they charge. The upturn in private sector growth was in part driven by a rebound in service sector activity, not least the hospitality sector, as the Omicron wave faded. Services along with retail and manufacturing reported growth, while construction reported its seventh successive month of falling output. Manufacturing has regained its momentum after a slight slowdown at the end of last year, and it recorded its fastest rate of growth in output, new orders and employment of all of the sectors in January. Indeed, the manufacturing sector's incoming business rose at its fastest pace since September 2014. Overall, the January PMI is a positive report, but whilst Omicron and indeed COVID as a whole are fading, skill shortages, the cost of living crisis and Northern Ireland's latest round of political instability will bring plenty of headwinds to challenge firms in 2022. Turning to the labour market, Northern Ireland's labour market statistics remain one of the chief sources of positivity for the ongoing economic recovery. Employment growth continues and redundancies remain very few and far between. There were actually only 20 redundancies confirmed in January. The number of employees on Northern Ireland's payrolls hit another record high in January of with 774,900 on the payrolls. That's 22,000 above March 2020's pre-pandemic high and it represents the eighth successive months of payrolls exceeding pre-pandemic levels. Northern Ireland also recorded the second largest year-on-year increase in payrolls of any of the UK regions at 5% and that compares with a UK average of 4.8% year-on-year. Northern Ireland has also witnessed the largest increase in payrolls 
from March 2020 to January 2022 at 2.9%, which exceeds the 1.5% growth rate for the UK. If we look at some of the sectors that have been doing well, health and social work and education has accounted for over 60% of the gains in employment relative to the pre-pandemic high of March 2020. And that that shows that there's been a, a significant concentration of growth in public sector jobs as opposed to private sector. But it's also perhaps not surprising that the information and communication sector, which includes IT jobs, it posted the largest gains between March 2020 and January of this year at 11.7% or just under 3,000 jobs. The likes of retail, arts, entertainment and recreation and other services are sectors which still have not recovered uh, the employment levels that they had before the pandemic began. If we look at earnings, uh, since March 2020, Northern Ireland's median earnings for payroll staff has increased by 11.4%. That's as of January this year. And that is just above the 10.9% for the UK. Unemployment fell from 4% in the third quarter last year to 2.7% in the final quarter. And that is one of the lowest unemployment rates of all time and has been lower on only 10 occasions with a record low of 2.3% back in 2019. For context, the property crash and the global financial crisis of 2007-2008, Northern Ireland's unemployment rate failed to get below 3%, whereas it is 2.7% currently. But Northern Ireland's low unemployment rate does flatter the true picture of the labour market, the local employment rate at 70.7% and economic inactivity, at 27.3%, they continue to be the highest and lowest rates respectively within the UK. And the current employment rate is still well below the pre-pandemic high, whilst the economic inactivity rate is close to two percentage points above where it was uh, before the pandemic back in the fourth quarter of 2019. Therefore, while there has been a strong recovery in terms of payrolls growth, the labour market recovery has still a long way to go in other aspects. For example, if we look at the total number of hours worked in the fourth quarter of 2021, it was still almost 7% below where it was two years ago, and that is largely due to the slump in self-employment. Self-employment may have turned a corner during the summer and has increased by 14% in the two quarters to the to Q4 last year. But the numbers in this category are still just over three quarters of what they were before the pandemic struck. But there are some interesting trends in the labour market which are worth highlighting. And what we see is that Northern Ireland's employment rate is below pre-pandemic levels, while the economic inactivity uh, rate is above the same benchmark. But this is due to underperformance amongst the male population. For example, the female employment and inactivity rates are back at the levels they were before the pandemic. There is also a noticeable change in the composition of those people who are economically inactive, that is, those people neither in work or looking for work. There has been a significant rise in the student population within this, the economically inactive, and there's also been a fall in those looking after family members or who have caring responsibilities. Undoubtedly, the proliferation of working from home opportunities has enabled females in particular to re-enter the labour market. 
Turning to the hospitality sector, and while 2020 and 2021 have been years to forget for the hospitality industry, hotel occupancy room rates did finally return to pre-pandemic rates in November at 61%. However, Omicron derailed that recovery in December with occupancy rates falling back to 49%. That was above December 2020's level of just 27%, but it was below 2019's pre-pandemic figure of 54%. So that equates to over 20,000 fewer rooms sold in December relative to December 2019. That is still a very respectable performance and it is the third highest sales total on record for the month of December. But it is the lost trade from Christmas parties rather than overnight guests that will have taken a heavy toll on firms' balance sheets. The good news for the hospitality industry is that the negative impact from COVID-19 looks set to wane further in 2022, but the cost of living crisis will continue to weigh heavily on the minds of hoteliers and their would-be customers. China's continued zero-tolerance COVID policy means that 2022 is unlikely to see the high-spending Chinese tourists visiting these shores in sufficient numbers this year. Turning to new car sales, Northern Ireland's new car dealers will be hoping 2022 continues the way it has started. January proved to be the best month for local new car sales since March of last year. Last month's 79% year-on-year surge is encouraging, but it is rebounding from January 2021, which was the worst January on record. Comparing with 2020's pre-pandemic January, sales last month were down 17%, and are half of the figure back in the uh, the boom days of January 2007. Supply chain disruption and a shortage of semiconductors continues to hold back the new car sales recovery, but the early signs are that 2022 will see a notable improvement. Incidentally, I've been informed that my new car order from the start of July last year is now expected in June. Now, if we turn to the property market, Northern Ireland's housing market had a positive start to the year with strong new buyer interest and rising sales. That's according to the results from the latest Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors and Ulster Bank Residential Market Survey. But the local property market is increasingly resembling a game of musical chairs with insufficient stock to meet the demand. There was no increase in new residential property stock coming onto the market, with the RICS survey's indicator for new instructions to sell remaining negative for the seventh month running in January. PropertyPal has previously highlighted that the total stock of properties for sale on its website fell by 44% year-on-year in 2021. This demand and supply mismatch is supportive of prices, with most local surveyors reporting further price rises in January. The recent interest rate rises coupled with the cost of living crisis will impact on the affordability calculations for many would-be movers, but this is likely to have less effect on the largest and most expensive properties. Last year saw the £3 million mark for a residential property sale breached for the first time. That is up 9% on the 2020 maximum residential property sale price tag of £2.75 A shortage of suitable properties is also a growing problem in the local 
private rental market. And this has been a feature across the UK with reports of bidding wars actually occurring within some lettings markets in England. While the Northern Ireland Housing Executive has temporarily frozen rates for public sector housing tenants, rising rents for the private sector is an added cost pressure in the ongoing cost of living crisis. So if we look ahead to March, pent-up demand has been a feature over the last couple of years, but the pandemic has also put other problems on the back burner. As a result, pent-up problems from hospital waiting lists to levels of educational underachievement are mounting. Budgetary pressures are also mounting due to the ongoing political uncertainty after Stormont's First Minister, Paul Given, joined in on the Great Resignation meme. No functioning executive means no approval in budgets for the 2022-23 financial year and beyond. This uncertainty will have consequences, and indeed last week Invest Northern Ireland announced that it has suspended new offers of financial support to potential investors due to uncertainty about its budget. We can expect to see more of this in the coming weeks ahead of the Northern Ireland Assembly elections in May. There are also two key events in March. On St Patrick's Day, we expect the Bank of England will uh, increase interest rates for the third consecutive meeting. And the following week, we have uh, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, will unveil another budget. And this is likely to focus extensively on trying to ease the cost of living crisis. However, the key focus will be on the ongoing pain in the Ukraine and uh, Commodity prices, particularly gas and oil prices, are likely to be the barometers of fear and uncertainty. As we have seen, a week is a long time in geopolitics. Therefore, the month of March is going to be an extremely long time. And what happens is anybody's guess. I am Richard Ramsey, and that was episode 16 of the Ulster Economics podcast. Vlad, the Invaders Price Premium. You can stay up to date by following us on social media or the ulstereconomics.com blog. Until next time.